Back up, please. Hello and welcome to the 33rd episode of Busy Nation Dhando Takko Rokro this is Ritika and my friend Abhishek Hello everyone it's a bright and sunny day outside here in India and I guess we are recording this a couple of light years so it's a good way to start the day Yeah and it is dark and gloomy and windy and rainy in Melbourne and uh, I yeah. guess we are back after a long long time so reason being yeah, Abhishek's okay. Ladakh trip which I am sure would have been a lifetime experience No it was once in a hundred lifetimes I think Yeah and judging by your enthusiasm before and after the trip I am sure that it must have been thoroughly discussed in your latest episode of Indicast <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's right up there in the previous episode of Indigas, 97. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Don't worry, all you guys out there again. Don't worry about it. Please, dive into the topics. Yeah, that's right. In the, I've seen your snaps and the scenery was really breathtaking. I'm sure I'll visit that place whenever I plan my next holiday in India. So. Yeah, yeah. you have to do the other way around, right? Now. You have to plan holidays <laughs> in India. Yeah, to our uh, before we get into our topics, I just wanted to ask you if can you like tell us something about the local economy of Leh, Ladakh, and the Kashmir area? Like, what 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 is what 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 did you notice? Like, what was their main occupation or main source of income industries that uh, they have? The main occupation was just lying around and enjoying the food out there. Okay. And uh they earn a lot of money by selling hash enough to get them the money no but jokes are fast the number one is tourism very without uh, no points of getting that and there are many local entrepreneurs who are earning lots of money okay so if you know the place around and if you look like a buddhist hmm. i mean i'm not being racist here it is just that you are an authentic feel of ladakh Uh, yeah. So you can take your, like you can take the Europeans, Indians, uh, people in Mumbai around that place and earn a good amount of money. So mainly it's uh, the restaurant business because uh, mainly I mean, inspired you know, by tourism, I guess. Big time, big time. Yeah. And really about and many places around it, even in Kashmir. Because there isn't anything much around this because the rest is all covered by the army. <laughs> ah, yeah, that's true. But how was it? Like it was secure, or were there any terrorist threats, etc.? Or you could see army everywhere where you go. Yeah, the army was everywhere. But uh, contrary to what we had thought, hmm. it was as if we were learning about in just another state in India. Oh. Okay. With the army for company, so nobody stopped us at the gunpoint saying, "Hey, give me your code." Or we we wanted to ask for a license, and we rode our bikes for about seven thousand kilometers. So long as you don't break the law, nothing matters with you. Even in that part of the world. Oh, okay. That that's cool because I, a few years back I had gone to Jammu with a few girls. I think we were yeah, stopped at every gate. Yeah, if you go out with a full girls party, I'm sure that would be a different. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Okay, so uh, well, moving on to our first topic of the day, uh, the withdrawing money you- from. Huh? You got you got me started off on Ladakh and now you're getting coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I, I have to cut you somewhere, otherwise I'm sure that this the Bajination episode also will be all about Ladakh. 
Yeah, so moving on to our next topic, uh, withdrawing money from the ATM of a bank other than the one in which you have an account will become more expensive now thanks to the RBI's recent directive. Uh, so basically, if I have an HDFC bank account hmm. and an HDFC debit card, which by the way I don't because the last one was <laughs> my card and I still haven't got them, uh, but yeah, I mean, if I have it, then and if I if, let's say I'm standing outside an ICICI ATM with no HD ATM around, and if I want to withdraw 500 rupees, then for the past six months it would have been free for me. But now the government is saying no, you have to pay a fee to uh, ICICI bank because ICICI bank loses out. Is that right? That's right. It's like Sorry. that now you can withdraw only up to rupees 10,000 per transaction. Mm-hmm. and only five such transactions in a month will be free for you and if you do more than five transactions you will be charged between rupees 18 and 20 yeah if we go a little back into the history then uh, not very long ago that is before 1st april 2009 if i had to use any other atm then i had to pay rupees uh, 18 to 20 as an interchange fee and this fee was basically uh, for the expenses incurred by both the concerned banks like you talked about so the icici bank and hdfc bank this basically meant that if i am an icici bank customer and i am withdrawing money from hdfc bank then icici bank has to pay an interchange fee to hdfc bank per transaction and that uh-huh. was been borne by me but now oh, after right, right. 1st april 2009 rbi said that the bank should not uh, charge any such fees and it will be free for the customer the banks will bear those costs but uh, mm. due to this the banks were, were incurring a very heavy burden because the cost of these transactions was too high as uh, there, there are a number of uh, small amount tra- uh, withdrawals Like generally, if we go, then how much do we remove? Thousand, two thousand, and. Well, uh, if we are an Indian, then we remove two hundred rupees. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So whether you whether you remove two hundred rupees or you remove thousand or ten thousand, the bank has to pay twenty rupees to the other bank. So right. that was becoming too expensive for them. So all the banks they went to RBI and gave a proposal that you know to. make some changes yes. and i think this is this is all right right so you have at least five transactions in a month free and beyond that if yes. you want you pay and otherwise it, it's okay very good no i mean i see if, if i have to believe the figures what they are quoting in the paper see mm. i said that it is losing up to 4 to 5 crores per month because of this mm. now wow. that's a good amount of money that that will employ at least uh, one white resident if nothing else And yeah. with with the times that we have, and there are enough ATMs of uh, all these private banks anyway. Yeah, that's true. Uh, But I, I think we are talking about the cities here. But I guess in yeah. smaller towns and rural areas, there will be more impact because you have lesser ATMs. But anyways, you have five transactions a month, so that's fine. Yeah, here is a case where, for once, uh, we are not complaining about the capitalists. <laughs> yeah, this is a reasonable demand from yeah. there. That's right. In fact, I was going through some uh, data as on how banks charge 
such piece here in Australia. Then uh, I came across that in Australia too, there are such interchange transactions which are charged, but they come with a special provision. Sometime in 2009, there was a system called as direct charge system, which was introduced, and the system is already existing in developed economies like US, Canada, and Europe. And under mm-hmm. these, all the banks charge the interchange fees, but they charge it directly to the customer. Like, for example, if I am a customer of Bank A, and I withdraw mm-hmm. money from the ATM of Bank B, so while I am doing the withdrawal, Bank B will show me that this is the charge I am going to levy right. on you, and whether you want to proceed with your transaction or not. And so <laughs> the bank B will directly take the money from me. And earlier this rule, earlier the bank B used to charge bank A and then bank A used to recover it from me. So mm. I was paying a fixed charge. And now yeah. according to this rule, every bank has a different charge. So if I find a bank C which has cheaper charges for me to withdraw than bank B, then I will not withdraw from bank B, I will withdraw from bank C. So now I know beforehand how much is each bank is going to charge me. And also there are different charges for a withdrawal or if I just want to do a small bank inquiry. And so the whole system is uh, right. much more transparent. But I guess these are banks when you want to withdraw money so very desperately, you will actually think about things because if you are yeah, to true. yeah so but still I, as such what, what is happening here in the banking industry with uh, the reception and all of it this is a reasonable demand from our folks and uh, it's already been granted so mm-hmm. decisions have been taken quickly and, yeah. and they are out in the papers as well yeah that, that that's true but I don't know if it's a case with the developed economies, but here, uh, even if I have to uh, print a transaction slip, if I am seeing the ATM of my own bank and I am withdrawing money and I want to print a transaction slip, I'll be charged for that. Oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I guess we might have succeeded in confusing you a lot regarding the ATM fees and how they are being paid in Australia. So let's uh, move on to our next topic of the day, the bankruptcy of Reader's Digest. It makes me so sad. Yeah, you're a fan? Yeah, I mean, as a kid, that's the only magazine or, uh, it wasn't magazine, right? A compact magazine that I would buy and it would be all backdated issues. So you you go to the Rabbiwala and buy for 5 rupees and just have 50. (laughs) It was really costly, actually. Yeah. I remember during my yearly summer vacation trip to Delhi, my grandfather used to always keep a stack of Reader's Digest for me to read. And though I always preferred Archie comics, but then I had no other option, so I I did read them. But yes, I guess many fans of uh, Reader's Digest are saddened because of this development, though the bankruptcy is limited to only USA. It does not affect its operations elsewhere. That's true, because in India they have sold, uh, it was first published in 1954 where they sold 40,000 40, copies mm. and uh, this year they have sold 600,000 copies. Oh. So, like 6 lakh copies, like they say in India. So, okay. Okay. And that's a 15 fold increase over the past 50 odd years, but uh, like you said, it is restricted only to uh, USA and also it's a chapter 11 bankruptcy. 
That's right. Uh, that was the main objective of filing the bankruptcy because they wanted to get rid of the 75% of the debt that they have, and um, it seems that if we go, uh, if we just go back a little bit in history, then uh, Reader's Digest was bought in 2007 by a group of private equity investors led by Ripple Wood Holdings which is a big private equity investor and it mainly suffered uh, due to the weak advertising market and poor sales uh, due to the new internet uh, regime i think that this is a cause that is uh, causing a lot of heartburn to many other media publications too because you get to read everything free on internet so the sales of the magazines are going down a bit time there are there are a few companies in the us hmm. uh, like los angeles times or some of them who have completely shunted their print model and they have gone from full on online so their uh, primary advertising source now is internet ads secondary is also internet ads so people i mean companies are actually closing down Hmm. That that that's right. And in fact, I was reading some article the other day where they had mentioned that many uh, publications are now contemplating of charging a fee for reading their articles. So, uh, charging a fee online? Yes, charging a fee for reading articles online, or uh, charging a fee for subscribing and then reading the articles. they don't know uh, how uh, su- successful it will be but i i i don't remember the name but there were some major publications who were trying to do that and i think financial times which is also the owner of economist they have this mm-hmm. thing that they just show a small part and then if you want to read the whole article then you need to pay up the problem with this is what you know unless you are a very journal or a financial times you cannot afford to do that that's right i guess those guys are okay with that because uh, they have other ways of making revenue because they have the big stock uh, uh, owns them secondly you've got so many options the economist business uh, times of india or whatever and there are so many options that you could go to such page sites as well so i guess advertising is the best way of earning revenue instead of charging your people to read them Yeah, because that would also mean the advertiser would say that look, why would I put my ad on your website yeah. when driving away customers? Yeah, so there are not enough eyeballs, so it doesn't work, I guess. That's what the uh, publication industry now they are caught between in, whether they should go for internet advertising as their main source of revenue or they should earn it from the readers. Hmm. But you know, interestingly, readers by the way that started out. I don't know when was it. I think it was during the World War Two or World War One, long time back. By hmm. two of these brothers or friends. Yeah, it started, started during. The, it started uh, near to the World War One in 1920s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess one of the two co-founders was nursing his injuries, hmm. the war injuries, and he said, "What to do with the sweat that I have?" 
understand the doing data he actually used the google model the, the google.com slash it you know there is a website which aggregates news content or google news for instance okay it's a simple page which says if you type something in like for instance our next topic harley davidson enters india if you mm-hmm. type this in uh, the google news there will be hundreds of links that come up so this is something very similar he said let me just aggregate the best articles that i have i read from all magazines and right. put them in one compact magazine and credit the authors yes and he started doing that and people started loving it and then he started uh, putting in his own uh, proprietary content or especially uh, mm. content like humor in uniform story in real life you know all those yeah. every art that he has used to carry the articles so started interestingly like the internet but internet killed it because in the end it also emphasized a lot on uh, homely values and it was the uh, publications were so high that uh, during 1970s the wall street journal described it as the greatest publishing success since the bible oh <laughs> that yeah. is i'm sure bible would have offended because we are right up there in the third edition you cannot compare us because it happened when uh, uh, you know ikea ikea is a well we don't have ikea in india uh, a homemade furniture assembled furniture shop and it is huge the showrooms were in the us you have them and they their catalogs outsell the bible Mm. Now, Bible was offended. Yeah, I mean, that's... Bible has been the people in the church. Yes, that I have heard yeah. about that, and uh, also uh, the Reader's Digest. It had a very uh, oldy image, so it was mostly seen as a magazine of you know old people or uh, mm. elderly people. So, in order to lure the younger subscribers. It started uh, those competition and sweepstakes like the lottery system. but uh-huh. because of legal uh, pressures that had to soon leave that business but they tried to reinvent themselves as a celebrity lifestyle magazine but now because of the slowdown in the sales they have decided to go back to their previous image and they are trying to stress on the values of family etc again mm. so another news and i've been looking forward to talking about this one because it's about a bike called Harley Davidson which is planning to go into india in 2010 and it is a big deal because it is a bike which does not actually have anything like the highest number of bikes sold anywhere in the world but it is a cult brand and that we all have read in our books a recreational brand and a very brash and an arrogant one mm. and it is it come to india which is the second largest automobile market in the world so good luck to them what would be the cost approximate average cost of a harley uh, harley davidson bikes i i guess they are pretty costly oh very much i think i read anywhere in the vicinity of 15000 also some of them but if you convert them in rupees i think for four lakhs mm. uh, would be the starting range or whatever we have to know that once they are launched but that one question that people are asking is it a prudent decision to come to india where you have a family of four on a bike uh which makes a very good ad for an mrs tire because <laughs> i'm sure a family of four is not going to go on a harley davidson bike exactly. and it's not aimed exactly. towards them also 
but yeah, 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 I think there are so many biking clubs in India and big biking fans, which are who are we have those uh, biking races in Bandra. That's true. When you spoke about biking clubs, there is one Enfield Biking Club, which uh, does something called as the Himalayan Odyssey. Now, Odyssey, rather, Odyssey is not the Indian version. Okay. So, Himalayan Odyssey, what happens is about 60 bikers get together and all of them pick to own uh, an Enfield bike. And Enfield is like the Indian version or Harley Davidson. Hmm. And they go to <coughs> the highest motorcycle road in the world every year. And come back, so it's like a top last time for that you know, club. So yes, there are enough big, you know bikers who will go for it. Uh, but these guys, the Harley-Davidson guys, they are uh, making a billion already in India, in Mumbai, Delhi, Bangalore, Hyderabad, and Punjab. So let's see how that goes. Because people have actually laughed when Mercury said that they are going to launch in Kohli. Yeah. And Kolhapur ended up to be the biggest market for them. Yeah. So, there are many millennials and billionaires in the small cities of India. They might not uh, drive a Mercedes, but they at least own one. So yeah. to, to, have, have, uh, to talk about it to the neighbors, etc. But also, you know, bikes, it's a, it's a good way to travel. It's, it's like a discretionary transport. So you can go places, it doesn't consume as much fuel. And of course, the Harley Davidson will be spent pair of bikes that will be staring at you. Mm, that's right. You see, Isha, I don't see you talking much about bikes. Very clearly, you're a great fan of them. I have had some very great experiences on bike with Abhishek, where we, oh, have, where we have been stranded oh. on a bridge during heavy rainfall with no raincoat, no umbrella, and no person inside, and all the uh, cars and uh, on a highway, and all the cars whizzing past, and be standing and wondering where, where to get the petrol from. Absolutely. Why go to places where you can have an adventure right in the streets of Mumbai? Well, that was a long time back. <laughs> yeah, right. over, yeah, and now Abhishek has graduated uh, to a car, so... Yeah, but bike, nothing can replace that. Yeah, the first love. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so moving on from bikes to airways... Um, Quite <laughs> <laughs> a transition back. <laughs> yeah, land to air. So, take off. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do that. Yeah, I read about this one of the most, one of the profitable airlines of the world. Profitable and airline is uh, antithesis these days and they just yeah, don't go together. But there was this interesting story which I read in Economic Times regarding an European budget airline, Ryanair which is doing very good business even in these days, thanks to the business model followed by its CEO, Michael Leary, who is quite mm -hmm. a maverick businessman. Uh, yeah, I actually read uh, about this guy somewhere that like Richard Branson, he's a serial entrepreneur, and that's what his uh, business card reads. So he's got many small businesses to his name, and uh, he happens to use quite a lot of unconventional methods to cut costs for his airlines. Yeah, quite uh, unconventional, I must say, because from what I have read, he cuts his office cost by banning post-it notes and highlighters, and you have to even get your own pens when you're uh -huh. working, and uh, you all the and you have to stay in budget hotels, and even he always flies Ryanair uh, wherever he goes. Uh, when he is traveling by Ryanair, then he will 
stand at the gate and take tickets from the passengers and then Ooh. board the plane at last and then he will sit anywhere in one of the middle seats and uh, oh. so yeah and in, he will always stay in budget hotels and travel economy class so that's cool he's like uh, in the pr industry he would be richard branson with a suit on without <laughs> doing all things yeah Because total opposite of him actually <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that was actually good way. I guess last time we had spoken about him uh, coming up with an idea or giving his uh, passengers to use the bathroom while in air. Mm. So, but of course, I don't think they went ahead with it. But uh, they are open to ideas like these. Yeah, he in fact he he I mean he believes in cutting costs to the core. He has a very brash attitude about it that it's like take it or leave it. so uh, he he made a statement we uh, that our customer service is unlike every other airline which has this image of we want to fall down at your feet and you can walk all over us and customer is always right i think all that is nonsense mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> we we promise low fare good time on time record few cancellations and few lots packs but then we don't uh, let but we don't fall all over the customer So that's great. I'm sure the customers would say, "Okay, here's a guy who's actually not bullshitting us." It's nothing. Yeah, if you if you're so, operating uh, like a budget airline, then I I think that being on time and having low fares is what matters to the customer more than whether right. you're giving me any facility in the airline on the airline. Thank you. I mean, you're traveling for two and a half hours, but you're covering a good distance. So. You can't really care whether you get to eat that sandwich for free inside or not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The airline off- offsets their prices by money from deals with hotels and car rental services, and they have fees for almost everything, even for airport uh-huh. check-in, online check-in. But their fares are very low, so their average fares are just around forty uh, to fifty euros. Oh, okay. So I mean, I don't know. It's supposed to be less in the yes. part of the world. Yes, okay. it is. Yeah, it is. But like, they don't have a cancellation policy, and they don't entertain customers on emails. So it's like clearly oh. told to the customers that even don't even bother mailing or anything for any inquiry. You can call, but <laughs> we don't bother with emails and internet. Oh my God, that's something that is perplexing actually. So yeah. basically, we don't have any email or support service. So forget about it. Yeah. No, I'm sure there must be something. No, yeah, there, there must, must be some... something. But uh, yeah, the telephone operations are there. But that, mm. that's the way he operates, and he's quite a maverick. And he, in fact, he lives in a farm outside Dublin. I, I believe Dublin is the uh, capital of Ireland. Oh, my geography was always <laughs> not uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so he yeah. lives uh, in a farm there, and he raises cattle and race horses. Race horses. and in mm. fact he irritated the irish government once because he paid uh, thousands of uh, dollars for getting a taxi license for his mercedes so that he could use the taxi lane and avoid the traffic on in the normal uh, normal lane <laughs> <laughs> yeah he is finding so he is a guy who finds loopholes in certain yeah. policies and uh, tries to get away with it Yeah, that's right. Whether it's personal life or the business class, oh, yeah. 
one of his most outrageous schemes was that he, he wanted to introduce that fat people should be charged more for their seats because it takes longer yeah. to weigh them. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Oh, my God. So, this is the other extreme. So, he talked about some CEO, uh, CEO, maybe his colleague, that player who must be saying, hey, you know what, calm down. Out of the 10, I guess we will incorporate six and a half, but let's not even talk about and the other three in the press. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but it's interesting to note that in India too, an, an airline that is making profits in these times is a is budget airline like Spicejet compared to the all-service airlines like Jet or Kingfisher. So mm-hmm. Kingfisher, it lost uh, around 240 crores in the last quarter and Jet Airways also lost around 220 crores. While SpiceJet made a profit of 26 crores. Oh, that's great. That's a uh, low print airline uh, from India. And I'm sure Indigo, which exists as the best low cost airlines, also made profits. So <clears throat> there are enough airline companies in India too, which are not in the red. And some of them are, uh, one of them is a full fledged airline carrier. Yeah. Low, low cost yeah. I, I like SpiceJet. I've traveled uh, on it quite a few times and they are mostly on time and I find it much better than the other budget airlines. It's pretty on I time. I completely disagree with that. No, <laughs> so you've got a bad experience. <laughs> it's it's reminiscent of traveling in a Volvo between Mumbai and Pune because the seat, uh, it is a guy uh, sitting uh, in front of you, he's uh, inclined the seat, then uh, his hair can come up to your nose sometimes. Okay. And I'm not kidding, I'm not exaggerating. Okay. But then what, but there, there was a proposal uh, some time back where, uh, I don't know, some airline was testing whether people would be ready to travel standing. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I, I have not brainstorming and uh, reducing cost, the ways that so yeah. I don't mind if I have to travel for two hours. I mean, I stand in local trains for two hours, so I don't mind traveling if I have to pay half the cost. Sure, the airline companies don't mind unless the aviation industry, the ministry, they never mind. Go ahead. Yeah, but I think it's a security issue also with all people standing. We can go on and on and on about the airline industry because we have been guilty of doing that on so many of once we start talking about aircrafts and these companies like Ryanair. So we'll wrap up this episode of Visionations Dando Takko Rokro. Log on to www.theindicap.com Leave your comments there uh, for this episode and would love to know what if, if there are any other unconventional ways to which you think airline companies cut costs. <laughs> because I remember sometime back just to digress a bit, uh, Richard Branson what he had done uh, in, in the Heathrow Airport uh, at London. Is it in London? Yeah, it's London. Okay. Yes. Uh, so at the Heathrow Airport in London, uh, there used to be a time when they had to taxi their aircrafts for a long time on the runway itself. So they would lose a lot of petrol. So what this guy did was, said, like you have the towing services on ground, on the road, uh, he used a big crane or uh, some towing service to which uh, the amount of uh, fuel that was consumed was one third than what a plane would consume if it had to start its ignition and rotate or rotate about, circle about 
in that runway. <laughs> so any, any any such points that you think there are that companies are doing, do mail us. And other comments about other topics, uh, theintikas.com is the website. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.